good. All right, today's daf is daf chav beis, page twenty-two, in the holy meseches nedarim, and says the Gemara, we we are up to veloi paschinon bahado achronois. We got a, we got a nice ways down into today's daf, so we are up to. Let's count the lines over here. If you count eight lines from the top of the Amud, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, yeah. Last word on the eighth line. The word is Veloy. All right, so here we go. Basically, uh, quite simply, what the, the Gemara we're going through is various incidents where people wanted to have their vow nullified, to have their vow removed, and they went to a Rav, and the Rav would say, if you would have known such and such and such and such and such and such, and such, and such would you have made it? Called a charato, a regret. And they said no. Um, and the Rav would remove the vow. Now, specifically, the Gemara just ended off and said, by the way, if there's any sort of spiritual guilt that's involved in the reason for, for uh, wanting to nullify the vow, that's not enough. It's not enough. So, for example, the last case we gave was where there was a grandson of Rabbianai came to his Zaydi, he came to his grandfather, and he wanted to nullify, he wanted his grandfather, who was a Chacham, to nullify the vow. And Rabbianai, the grandfather, says, if you would know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is sitting there and writing down in his ledger every last thing that's taking place, and you, sh- and you know it's not ideal to nullify a vow, to, to, to even make a vow, would you have made the vow if you would know every last detail? You put him on a Jewish guilt trip, and the, the grandson says, no, I wouldn't have made it. Rabbi says, okay, so then you're off the hook. And the Gemara said, you should know that even though Rabbi Yana did that for his son, um, we don't use that, practically speaking, as an opening to, for a Pesach, for a removal of a vow. All right, so here we go. Eighth line, last word. Is it really true? Uh, the, the reason why. We don't follow this last logic to make an opening to remove a vow. How did Rabbi Gamliel create an opening for the vow, meaning create an opening to remove a vow for an elderly person? Because it says in the Pasuk, Yesh Baita, from the Mabat is to speak, Yesh Baita Kemad Kherev. There are those who speak words like a sword, but the words of a chacham marpe, they heal. They bring healing. What does that mean? Says the Gemara, anybody who makes a vow, is fit to be stabbed with a sword. But it's the word of the chacham that heals him. How? By finding an opening. So what we're saying over here is as follows. And we're going to get into this, which is, we really frown upon vows. We really frown upon it. It is something which is really is not meant to be done. There's enough prohibitions that take place in a person's life. Why in the world are you adding further need for, for a transgression? So why why are you doing that? So why not create a- uh, because there are times, there are times where a person needs to be mazaris themselves where they're, they know it's the only way for them to protect themselves. Over the Misa, you're playing with fire. Practically speaking, you're playing with fire. This is not something that's needed. So that's why the Chachamim, that's why the, the Torah allows such thing to take place. But you should know, it's the words of the sages that ultimately heal. How so? By creating an opening. However, we don't allow what we'll call the spiritual guilt 
to uh, be a proper Pesach, to be a proper opening. Tani went to the price of Nasan and Rebbe says, if you make a neder, it's as if you built a bama. A bama was a private altar, and you, uh, which was forbidden to be built during a very large time period. He says, if you make a vow, if you're building an altar. Now, let's think about this for a moment. Why is it like you're building an altar? I'll tell you why. When somebody built a bama, a forbidden altar in their backyard, what were they thinking? I'm so religious. Exactly. I am so religious. I even have my own altar in my backyard. Look at me. I'm a frummy. Uh, but what's happening is through your frumkite, through your frumkite, through your religiosity, you're doing something that's that's forbidden. So when you make a vow, you're creating something which to you looks like frumkite. Hold up, which to you looks like frumkite, and really it's leading itself to a bra- to to a transgression. How so? so the Gemara explains. And if you fulfill a vow, as if you brought a sacrifice, it's even worse. It's even worse. To have a bum of fine. And then to bring a sacrifice on top. Oh, now I'm really... Basically, what we're saying is to keep a vow is even worse. Meaning, in the beginning, in the beginning, pause. In the beginning, what we're going to say is, if do you have regret that you made it initially, that you were initially made the vow, but in the second part of the Brisa, Abai is going to say that we will create a Pesach for him to remove the vow. Rav is going to say that we're not going to create an opening and um, therefore you're stuck with your sacrifice, so to speak, uh, even more than your bama. Now, to, to get to a point which is being mentioned over here, which is, you know, so, so if it's not meant to be, why is it offered? The Torah does speak about vows. It does speak about oaths. And the answer is, and this is, this is so, I, I want to preface the, uh, this, what, what I think is the answer with a verse that we recite whenever we read the Torah. After the Torah is lifted up, people look at the Torah, they stick out a finger, I'm not sure where the pinky came from, but they stick out a finger, and they point to the Torah, and we say, This is the Torah that has Where's that verse from? So that verse is a Pasuk in the Torah, which is said immediately after in Are Miklat, the cities of refuge, after somebody kills unintentionally, right after the, the, the right after this parsha of Ir Miklat, the Torah says, by the way, this is the Torah. Why are you saying that verse right after an Ir Miklat? So I once heard that the that it's specifically over here to teach us that no, that there's nothing that can possibly exist within the realms of the world. And within the realms of Klal Yisrael, that is not guided by Torah. Even something as far as murder, people going to murder. You might say, oh, let's brush this under the rug. What do the rabbis know? What does the Torah know? This type of thing, schmutzy, disgusting. Well, schmutz, well, there's nothing to do with Torah. The Torah is so holy. It's, it's, it's separated from people, God forbid, to murder somebody else. Eh, that's for lowlifes. And that's for things. The Torah is letting us know, even by things which are seemingly as far from God as murder, there's never a situation that you can put yourself into that you cannot be guided by Torah. You can make mistakes every day of your life till you're 119 and 353 days in the lunar calendar. 23 hours. Yeah, 23 hours. And, and there, there's a Torah to guide you what to do that last hour. What to do that last minute? There's never, it's impossible 
for a person to ever be a moment in their life that doesn't have guidance, that we could turn to the Torah, we could turn to people who have the knowledge of Torah, to have the Das Torah, who have minds that are molded by Torah, and, and find out what to do. Vows are a mitzvah. Vows are a, are a reality. And even at times, even at times, like Nazirus, it can come about through a mitzvah. If, if you actually need it, you're doing the right thing. Is it ideal? No, it's not ideal. But the mice, you're doing the right thing. And that's why we have it in the Torah. There's nothing, that, there's, there's nothing that's shy, nothing that's possible without it being a chilek of Torah. All right, here we go. Viter. Let's keep going further. Rav Kahana would taught this with a little, a, a little bit different approach. Rav Tevyumi, the, the, the way we just explained it. However, Rav Tevyumi, Masni Hachi. Rav Tevyumi learned it as follows. He says, B'Sefalei Paschinon. But in, in the Seifa, in the, in the later case, we're going to say, we're not going to create a Pesach. However, Beresha, what about in the beginning? So that's what we say, Abai Amar. Abai says, Paschinon, we will, the Chum will create an opening, but Rav Amar Rav is going to say, Paschinon, no, Rav Yeah, we're not going to make an opening for him. The halacha is, we're not going to, to create a Pesach for him, we're not going to find an opening for him, not in the beginning, and not at the end. Okay, why? So what does this mean over here? Let's explain what this means. What's Lamaisa? What's Lamaisa? So this is Gishmak. Ready? Listen closely. Yesterday's daf was a big focus on when somebody says a vow, we have to go into the neurons of the brain to say, what did he mean? What was he thinking when that word was uttered? That was, yeah, that was, that was a big focus yesterday's daf. Now what we're going to be saying is like this. We need to, in order to create a Pesach, an opening to remove a vow, you also need to get into the neurons. You have to go in there and say, what was he thinking when he wants a Pesach to be created? For example, for example, Rabbi Yanai says to his grandson, his grandson says, Zaidi, I want my vow removed. And Rabbi Yanai says, my dear beloved grandson, if you would know, that it's such an Avera. Such a terrible thing to make a vow. Such a terrible thing, yeah. And if you would know that it's a bad thing. And God writes down every last detail of your life. And I, do you still want to make a vow? What do you think the grandson's going to say? No. Of course he's going to say no. So it's always going to be that way. Of so course. Uh, not always. Not always. But that's what the Gemara is saying over here. If, if we're dealing with a situation... We're by the rabbi asking the question. It's going to throw a guilt upon the person where they just want to look good and sound good. We don't necessarily know that they're regretting it. They just need to say it. They're, they're, they're kind of pushed into a corner. But in another scenario where somebody comes and they're, they're asking for an opening, they're asking for a pesach, you know what they're saying? It's too difficult for me. I, re- I, I do regret ever having done this, but it has nothing to do with spiritual guilt. As I do with the spiritual thing, it's a physical reason. I can't follow through. You know what? I, 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 uh, you know, I made a vow. I'm never touching chocolate again. And next thing I know, every, every show dinner that I go to, there's chocolate fountains at every course. I, I, they never started. It's the newest fad. It's the newest fad. Or somebody 20 years ago, they say, I, I take a vow, I'm never eating sushi. They couldn't, they, they never knew that it's become the, the newest Jewish food. The sushi. Yeah, they, they, they never knew it's going to turn into that. Every simcha they go to. Okay, so now, we're going to, so now we'll create a Pesach. It was, it was harder. You weren't aware. But as far as the spiritual side of things, we're not going to, we're, we will not create a Pesach because we need to go into your brains and we're not sure 
that the reason why you're saying you regret it is coming because of the, the question of the Rav or whether it's coming because of something you really care about. Okay. Says the Gemara further. Says the Gemara Baiter. And we're also not going to create a Pesach, an opening of a vow. Okay? Um, in, the, in the following incident or the following teaching of Shmuel, the Amar Shmuel, Shmuel says, even though even if somebody fulfills their vow, Nikra Russia, he's still called a Russia. You hear this? You know why you're a Russia? Because you didn't nullify it. You might make a vow, but don't keep it up. Don't say, you know what? Once I made the vow, even if he wants to keep the vow, he did not transgress. We're going to call you a transgressor for not having nullified it because you're setting yourself up. That itself, you're setting yourself up for the performance of an Avera. Omar Ravovo, my Ravovo says, what's, where, what's Shmuel's source? Where does he get this from? Says the Gemara, V'chisechta, Lindar, when a person stops making vows, you'll no longer have a sin. <laughs> Only when you stop with the, with the vow. Mm-hmm. We learn now, Shava of Chadala, Chadala, stopping, stopping, Ksibacha, it says by vows, V'chisechta, Lindar, when you stop making a vow, Ksibhasam, and it says, this is a Pasuk in Eiv referring to wickedness. It says, Shom Rishaim, uh, the place of Rishaim Chadlu Raigaz will stop being, uh, will stop trembling. Amr Rabbi Yosef, Yosef says, Afanamitin, we learned in the Mishnah, Kinidrek Sherem Loyam Arklum. If somebody says, I'm making a nether like a kosher person, remember this Mishnah? We said, if somebody says, I'm making a vow like the real righteous people, you know what we say to you? You said nothing, because righteous people don't have vows. But if he says, That's not going to be a valid nether, period. You see from here, that just the reality of having a vow, effective, now, even if you're not transgressing, that itself is a problem. Incredible, incredible Gemara. Okay. Period. Let us place a two dots, a colon over here. We're going to take a pause from this theme of Nadarim. And we're now going to speak at length about anger. Why? We're going to speak about anger. Why? Very often, a person makes a vow in a state of behola. Their mind is not settled. So they need to make a vow. There's something crazy going on. They, they need to I settle swear. themselves down. Right. So you, 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 you shout something. You, you commit to something. And it's, a, and it's only because you're not, you're not thinking. You're simply not thinking. Uh, anger comes from a similar root. A similar source. Where you lose your mind. You lose your mind. So here we go. Says the Gemara. Omar of Shmuel Bar Nachmeni. Omar of we're three lines before it gets wide towards the bottom of Chav Bey's Omar Aleph. Kol HaKoyes. Anybody who gets angry. Kol Gehenim All types of Gehenim control him. Okay. All types of Gehenim control him. I want to tell you something. This does not only mean Gehenim in Olam Haba, in the world to come. You can have Gehenna and Eilam Haza. You can have Gehenna and Eilam Haza. How so? This world, it's terrible. This world's, when you live a life of anger, 
of agitation, tkehenem. An angry person is controlled, is completely controlled. They're just that you suffering. You don't have a calm mind. You're not sound. You don't have a sound mind. So frustrating. A person who gets angry is currently suffering. Not only what, because of what you're going to cause with your anger, that you're going to suffer from it in the next world. Right now, you're suffering a Gehenim. Shinem Razit says, Remove anger from your heart. And when you remove anger from your heart, you'll remove anything bad from your physical body. There's nothing as bad as Gehenim. Everything Hashem made is for His kavod, is for His glory. Even when a Rasha suffers on his day of evil, that itself is also Kvayt Shemayim. It's God following through on the promise of what's happening to the Russia. See, this is a very deep idea where very often, you know, people ask the question, which there's no real answer to as the Mishnah says. People ask the question, why does a, a, sometimes a tzaddik have a difficult time in this world, but a Russia has, a, has it good? Ooh. The answer is, the, the answer is, there's no answer. The Mishnah tells us, you're never fully going to grasp it. I just want to share something that connects to our Gemara though, which is to notice, if somebody's a Russia, you're thinking that they have it good is wrong. Because they're suffering a Gehenim. They can have eight estates, every car they want, every taiva, every desire, every lust, whatever. They, 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 they don't have, they're not calm. They're not happy. They're, they're rishotim. They, 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 they can have so much gashmias, and it's every estate that they own is a, is a place of Gehenna. Every person they interact with is just Gehenna. It's all about arrogance and, and, and backstabbing and, and trying a rat race and going after something else. The push, they're not living. To us, it might seem like they're having a good... Again, there's not a full answer because there's no full answer. You're going to be, oh, you'll find me an example. You're right. You, you might be able to find an example, but think about it in a different and Think about it in a different form, which is, just because it looks like they have a good, they're, they're, they're living a, a Gehenim. A person who's a Russia, a person who's angry, is going to be controlled by hemorrhoids. What does that mean, controlled by hemorrhoids? Now, anybody could get hemorrhoids at some time. But what's the example of this? The Gemara is just giving an example of how a Russia lives his whole life. You know when somebody has hemorrhoids? You ever try to get comfortable? Imagine somebody with hemorrhoids, you can't. You can't. It's just frustrating. It's agitating. It's, it's, it's always on top of your mind. A Russia... It's, it, when a person has anger, they're not settled. They're just agitated. They can't, they can't settle down. They can't get along with anybody. They're just frustrating. They're, it, it's, it, anger is like, anger in an in a emotional way is like hemorrhoids in a physical way. Hashem has given to you some lave ragas Hashem has given you, in referring to Gullus, a heart that's, that's agitated. And, and suffering of the spirit. What thing causes eyes to yearn for the, for, for the nefesh to struggle? It's referring to hemorrhoids. The bottom line is the message has been taken. Which is anger is something which is a living Gehenna. 
It's agitating. It's frustrating. Nobody is comfortable in a place of anger. You're going to say, I got angry. Ooh, I showed him. Ooh, did I show her? Did I give it to them over the head? Yeah, you feel good now. Feel good? No, you don't feel good. You're just more agitated. And now everybody's upset. That's all you did. The greatest feeling, the opposite. We spoke about this on Shabbos. This is past Shabbos. The greatest feeling you can give, you can ever have in the world is when you show somebody that they have meaning and they have purpose and you build somebody up, you compliment them, you walk away from a you walk away from a conversation knowing you just built somebody up. Eilam hab. Eilam hab. There's no better feeling. You're just like ah, I just helped build a yid. Incredible, incredible feeling. Something. But what we do is, in order to build people up, we think we need to, sh- to, to shove their nose in the ground. It's fakir. And the truth is, everything. It's exactly the opposite. Okay. Listen to this story. There's a. This is. Uh, I, I was taught to not say unbelievable anymore. Because unbelievable means it's unbelievable. It's Mardik, it's Mardik. You could say it's Mardik. <laughs> Yeah, An incredible story. Listen to this incredible story. All right. <laughs> you did it again. Ula. Uh, no, nah, this is unbelievable. It's incredible. Oh, incredible. incredible. Ula, you know, you know the, the, the story the guy called up uh, the Shadchan. He wanted to know about the Kala. And the Kala never told the truth. She was a liar. But the Shatchan really wanted, uh, you know, want them to date. So the Shatchan, you know, Shatchan is guilt. So the, so the Chosen says, no, tell me something good about her. So the Shatchan says, she's truly unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> Can't believe her. She's unbelievable. Okay, fine. You can find a good way to say anything. She could be in the mothers. The Malachim mothers. Here we go. Ula, Yisrael. Ula went up from Babel to Yisrael. Islavale train Bechazoi Badai. And Ula was traveling. <coughs> Excuse me. Ula was traveling. And there were two other guys who were going with him. Listen to this. One got up and shechted his friend. He literally cut his trachea and esophagus. This guy, don't faint. The guy says to Ula, you like that? It's a good move, no? It's a good move. I'm a tzaddik, right? We all do this sometimes. Yeah, we all do this sometimes. Not to this extreme, hopefully. Right, but we do. We could do something wrong and then we try to justify ourselves by others. And be like, yeah, well, I, I did the right thing, right? I, I was good. I was good that I got upset. It was good that I spoke Lush and Har. It was good. It was good, right? By the way, the guy's dying slowly. You should finish him off fast. Apparently, he was still dying and he had no chance of living. He says, why don't you just like, end it? You can kill a crisis? He, he wanted him to stop suffering. He came from Rabbi Ula now came. Remember, he was traveling from Babel to Israel. So he came to Israel and he was very nervous about this story, obviously. He was traumatized. So he came to Rabbi Yechon and he said, Don't machas v'sholem, machziki yidei avdei avdei You know, the, he said to me, yeah, did a good thing. And I said, yeah, but maybe you should, uh, and the guy said, he says, maybe I, I, I helped a murder. Okay. Amar le'i He says, listen, the reason why you were allowed to do it is because when you see somebody kill somebody else and he says, oh, yeah, what I did was a good thing. You basically were just trying to save your own life, which you're obligated to do. Uh. Okay, this guy's a murderer. He, he would have he killed you. And Rabbi Yechanan was astonished. He says, Michti, let's see. 
Ksiv, it says in the Pasuk, Hashem will give you a heart that it's placed, there's a lot of trembling. That's referring to Bavel, but I don't understand. He says to Ula, how can such a terrible thing like this happen in Eretz Yisrael? And Omar Lay, Ula said, no, you should know, Hahu Shaita, at that moment where the killing happened, top of Amr Beis, we're on the other side of the Jordan River. So it wasn't inside Eretz Yisrael, which is such a beautiful idea in and of itself, which is that Rabbi Yechinen was just shocked that something so terrible can happen in Eretz Yisrael, that a murder like this can happen. Very often, you know, lands, especially Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Yisrael particularly, has a personality. And it has an impact on everything that happens. And Rabbi Yechina was very concerned. He was very, very concerned that if an action like this can take place in Erzul, there's something off. Something very, very off. Something that like is, is Golosdik can take place like this. And Ula told him we weren't in, weren't in Erzul. Am Rabbi says a couple more ideas discussing anger. When you get angry, you don't respect God Himself. You don't respect the, the divine presence. When a Russia is controlled by anger, Bal Yidrash. He's not looking, he's not caring, he's not seeking. God is not around in any of his thoughts. So, Next time uh, you have emotions of anger that pop up, don't ever try to justify it that Hashem wants me to do what I'm about to do. Because if it's feelings of anger, God ain't there. It's coming from somewhere else. says, A person who gets angry forgets his Torah learning. And he becomes a bigger fool. Yeah, so you, you lose on both ends. You lose on both ends. First of all, you lose any gain that you have in Torah, and not only that, it enters in further foolishness into the person. Anger rests amongst the foolish. And a fool is the one who shouts foolishness. Yeah, shouts foolishness. As they say, an empty pushka makes the most noise. You put two pennies into a pushka, oh boy, does that thing rattle. A full pushka, shake it, no noise. When a person's full, when a person has, is emotionally healthy, when a person is calm, when a person has arvachas adas, they don't need to be making noise and spewing and shouting and then. Very often it's the louder person who's the one who's out there making uh, the, the screams. Eh? Says the Gemara, I realized it's an empty pushka. It's an empty pushka. Maybe they have one or two things that they learned. It's just, it's just stupidity. You don't need to be concerned about it. Rav Nachbar Yitzhak Amar, Rav Nachbar Yitzhak says, Biyadua, you should know about an angry person. His sins are greater than his merits. A person who is full of anger, Rav Pasha is full of negligence as well. Now, when I was preparing this, this kind of surprised me, because a, anger is a midah that doesn't necessarily define the person in totality. 
See, everything up until now, you could say, applies to the moment of anger. We get in the moment of anger you're in, in a Hanami. You know, it's a, there's a tremendous loss taking place from the fact that you're angry. This, these words over here from Rav like seem to imply that it defines your whole, your whole existence. Now your, your sins are surely greater than your merits. So what I saw is a beautiful idea, which is that it doesn't mean overall. What it means is right now. I believe this is a very Choshva idea in Chasidus, which is you're not necessarily, a Russia is not necessarily a Russia at all times. And a Tzaddik is not necessarily a Tzaddik at all times. We're compartmentalized. There's, there, there's moments and hours and days where, yeah, I act like a Russia. In that moment in time, in that time frame, in that snapshot, I have more, uh, I have more sins than Zuchosim. That's what's taking place right now at the time of anger. Amr of Adah Rabbi Chanino, Rabbi Chanino says, O Mali Lechotu Yisrael, if Klal Yisrael would not have done uh, in Avera, you should know we would have Chumash, and Sefer Yeshua, because that discusses only Eretz Yisrael. All right. Now, if you think about it, everything else was put into place. Why? Because Hashem had to come to the prophets become, because we sinned. We did Averis, and they had to uh, inspire us to turn away from sins. But the whole book of the Torah and Sefer Yeshua, which is about the division of Eretz Yisrael and the battles that took place uh, in Eretz Yisrael, that had to be written anyway. My time, what's the reason? With a lot of wisdom, there comes a lot of anger. Meaning, what, what uh, the Gemara here is letting us know, that when you look at all the Chachma, all the wisdom that's brought out from the prophets, from the writings, Ruach HaKadosh, so on and so forth. It's because of, unfortunately, the anger that came up because of the sins of Klal Yisrael. Okay. Really, really fascinating and beautiful Gemara. Here we go. Amar Ravasi. Ravasi says, Ein niskokin leilekei Yisrael, chutz mikoinam ishti nanalisha nignaba eskisi, except when a person says, I'm making a kainam for my wife ever benefiting because she's taking too much money. <laughs> or she hit my kid. And then we know that she never took the money and she never hit his child. Okay. Should be a Pesach. So, huh? Should be a Pesach. Should be a Pesach. Should be. But we know ultimately it didn't happen. So basically what the Gemara is saying is, is that the, the, the reason why he didn't mention this, okay, is a reason for us to talk to ourselves, meaning for the Bezin to speak to themselves and nullify it. Okay, Because it became known that the reason why he took the vow was a mistake. He vowed his wife from benefiting. Why? He thought she stole. He thought she was hitting his kid, you know, her stepson, unnecessarily. So he said, you're never going to benefit. Turns out that it wasn't true. So it's not true. So then that's considered a Pesach. You remove a vow. There was a woman who came in front of Ravasi. Omar Ravasi says to her, what was your nether? What did you say? Apparently she, she made a nether, she took a vow, and now she wants the vow lifted. 
So he says, tell me the story. What happened? So she said, I said, I swear by the God of the Jewish people. I vow by the God of the Jewish people. I, I used that, that expression. Omar law, he says to her, listen, if you would have just said, remember this is referring to Maisha Rabbeinu, when he, uh, when he took his vow. So then, Shehi Kinoi Ba'alma, that's a Kinoi, that's like a nickname of a vow. So, Mizdakiknalach, I could have been connected myself to you and helped nullify your vow. But Hashta, Deloy Nadar, Bimoyi, but now that you didn't use an expression of Bimoyi, but you Mamish said, Ella Beleke Yisrael, I Mamish said, I'm taking a vow by the God of Klaal Yisrael, Loy Mizdakinallah, I'm sorry, I can't connect myself to you. By nullifying your oath. Rav Kahana ikl l'beir Yosef. Rav Kahana came in front of Rabbi Yosef. And now to the bottom of today's daf, we have a, a number of uh, incidents, a few, a few stories. Rav Kahana went up to Rabbi Yosef. Amar lei litay mar midir. Rabbi Yosef says, please eat. Amar lei loy. He says, no, I'm not going to eat. Mari kula loy te'imnalach. And by, I, I swear by Hashem uh, that I'm not going to eat. Okay. No, he said, I'm not going to eat. And I swear by Hashem I'm not going to eat. So he says to him, Rabbi Yosef said to Rav Kahana, No, um, by, uh, I swear by Hashem that you're not going, to, that you're not going to eat from it. Okay, so what does that mean? It seems right now, Rav Kahana swore he's not going to eat, and Rabbi Yosef said back to him, Oh yeah? Well, I swear you're not going to eat. Right? It's like a guy who walks in to, uh, to the boss and the boss says, you're fired. The guy's like, you can't fire me, I quit. Right? I quit. Okay, fine. <laughs> Either way, you're not an employee. But be it as a mayor, if God has said, I take an oath. Rabbi Yosef says, I'm going to make a vow. Yeah, I'm going to think about it. So Gemara says, one second. I get why Rav Kahana didn't want to eat. He swore by the name of Hashem. What's Rabbi Yosef saying when he's like swearing, when he's taking a vow back to him in the name of Hashem? But because you you brought in this expression of I swear by Yisrael, by the God of Israel, therefore there's no way to remove the vow and you're not going to eat. So he wasn't swearing back to him. Rabbi Yosef was not making an oath of, him, of himself, which is what we thought he was doing. Rather, he was explaining to Rav Kahana why there's no way to nullify this vow, and Taka, he shouldn't dare pick up any food. Okay. Amar Rav, Amar Rav Nachman. Rav says in the name of Rav Nachman, that we will create a Pesach, we'll create an opening of a vow when a person regrets Having made the vow, and also it is Niskokin, we remain connected to it, Okay, used the name of, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, or he held the Sefer Torah, something of that sort. Rava, he was Mishabeach, he praised Rav Nachman, the son of, I'm sorry, Mishtabeach le Rava, Rava praised, le Rav Nachman, to Rav Nachman, as he was talking to Rav Nachman, birav Shaira, about Rav Shaira, the Adam Gadol. He said, you should know, Rav Shaira, really chashev. He's a big man. He's a big man. Right? Big people, as they say, do the small things. Small people do big things. 
So you know if somebody's a big person, when they do the small things. And not everything's a splash, they just live life good. That's a, that's a great person. Omar Lai, so he says to him, if, you, if Rav Shaira is really such a chash of a year, such an Adam Gadol, when he comes to you, please send him to me. So he made a neder that he wanted to nullify. Also, he made a Nachman. He came in front of Rav Nachman. Did, when you made your neder, did you know that you're going you, you're gonna to regret this down the road? Amar in. He says, yeah, I knew it. Yeah, so he says, did you know about it? In. Yeah, Kamazim, it's happened multiple times, where again, Rav Nachman was told that Rav Shechera was an Adam Gadol, and now Rav Shechera wants to remove a vow, and Rav Nachman keeps asking him, if you would have known, he says, yeah, I would have made it, I would have made it. So Ikbid Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman was very makbid about this, he got very upset about this response. Omar lay, and he said to him, Zil lekilach, go back to your place, Nafak Rav Shechera, Upasach Pischel, and Rav Shechera left, and he created his own Pesach, his own opening for his vow. And he said, Rebbe, Rebbe, I mean, Rebbe said, meaning from a Mishnah. Rebbe's the author of Mishnah. Rebbe says, What is the proper path that a person should choose for himself? Famous Mishnah in Perkei Avis. The path of life, we should choose the path that's beautiful to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And is beautiful for mankind. Now that Nachman got upset at me, I never would have made the vow. Meaning like this. See, Rav Nachman kept saying, if you would have known this outcome, would you have made it? He said, yeah. Would you have done that? Yeah. So Rav Nachman says, get out of here. So Rav Nachman says, now that Rav Nachman told me to get out of here, I'm so embarrassed. I wouldn't have made the vow. I never would have made the vow if I would have known that Rav Nachman would have got so upset. Bishar Lenafshe, so he allowed himself. He made a, he made this the Pesach, the opening for himself to nullify his uh, to nullify his vow. Okay, incredible. Now, ultimately, the Mefarshim explained that he he himself didn't do it, but what he did was he went back. To Rav Nachman, he and he said, right, now that he came up with it, he said to Rav Nachman, by the way, you know when I wouldn't have made the vow? Now that you kicked me out, to know that you would have done that, I never would have made the vow. So Rav Nachman then went and, and nullified it. Beautiful. Isn't that Rav like Shib- the one that we started with? It? We said it was no good if it's like, like for that sick ass. Yeah, yeah but that was a spiritual thing. If you know that I come Baruch Hu, it's a social. This is, uh, this is more. Uh, this, yeah. Rav Shimon Bray, or... With Rabbe, you know, it's a little more than social, but yeah. Rav Shimon Berei, Havalei Nidra the Mishra. Rav Shimon Berebi, Rav Shimon, the son of Rabbi Havalei Nidra the Mishra. He had a, a nether that he wanted to permit, he wanted to remove it. Also, came from the When you took a vow, what did what, you have in mind? What were you thinking? Omar, he says, in, yeah, I had in mind whatever they mentioned. They mentioned a few different things. They said, I died to the Haki. What about if you have this in mind? He says, in, I had that in mind. Kamazim, this went multiple times, same as the story between Sikhra uh, uh, and Rivkahana. Fine, multiple times. Top of tomorrow's daf. And the Rabbanon were very bothered. Mishimsha letula umitula leshimsha. 
they were they were going, which is an expression. They're going from sunlight into shade and shade into sunlight. Meaning they were desperately to, uh, they were desperately trying to find the pesach, but it was a hot day and the sun it, the the sun kept moving. So they were sitting in the shade and and then and, and then it became sunny. There, so they had to move over. It was taking a very very long time for them to try to find the pesach, uh, uh, an excuse for him to have the the vow lifted. So Omar lay. So he said, but Amarle Butnas Brader Babashol Barbutnas, the Butnas under Babashol said to him, listen, Mina Dar Tati Masara Banamitul, the Shimshul, would you have made the nether if you would have known that it would take so long to nullify the nether that the Rabban are going to have to keep moving their seats? Because you're hacking them a Jainik. Yeah? Amar Lai, he says, no, I never would have started this. I feel terrible. And <laughs> if I knew it's going to drive people crazy, Right? We've all been in situations. You ask a simple question, all of a sudden everybody's moving around and a gansamais, you're like, forget it. Like <laughs> I didn't mean to start like a whole to-do over here. Omar Light, he said I never would have done it. Visharye. And because of that reasoning, uh, they uh, they released him and they removed his nether. Beautiful. Okay, we'll hold it here for today. Besham tomorrow. We'll keep going with some more incidents of uh, of teachings of how and when to remove a nether. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening, everybody.